Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. So um, last week, right near the end of the service, I made a point of encouragement to, to tell us um, growth takes time. And, and actually, if you look over here at our little tree of life, the avocado tree that I put up here each week, because we started talking about this one, and we'll get to this, is going to be our last tree as well. Um, it's a little peewee tree. <laughs> We're hoping for more. Um, but growth just takes time. So if you're frustrated that you're not this giant redwood tree that we, um, we aspire to be, cut yourself some slack. Growth just takes a while. And God's, um, he's faithful, and he will complete the task, and he will walk with you and grow you in the right time in the right ways. But also we need to know that um, growth isn't automatic. You participate and in, in that little um, tree of life, the avocado tree, there's uh, two items in there that I place in there. And one is, anybody know what this is? It's rock. It's, it's from Petrified Forest. It's a piece of petrified wood. It's a cross-section cut. Um, I'm sure my dad had it. And then this probably was my mom. She loves little frogs. This is a little metal frog. And... Um, so when I grew up, there was all these kinds of pots and plants, and they would have things like this in our garden, just little items. And so um, as we moved them out of their home, um, I took those kinds of things and I put them in my garden. And so I'm like, oh, I should put these in the avocado tree. And then I've been thinking about it, and, and is there anything significant about that that we could learn from and in, that would help us understand what God's saying? And today is a good day to talk about these two things. As we talk about growth and that it's not just automatic and that it does take time, um, there's a couple things that also can happen to a person or to a church. And one of these, this represents a petrified forest. I would say it's, um, actually there's not even any wood in this. What's happened here is that the, this, is, this tree is dead by the way, in case you can't tell. There's not even any wood, it's, all, it's been replaced by minerals. And I would call this picture, and I'm going to pass it around a little bit, that it's, um, there's no life in it, there's no water in it, it's not even a tree. It's more of a monument of what it once was. And when our growth is arrested, when we stop growing, when we seize up, when a church seizes up, it just ends up being a building. It's a monument. It's not even the life. The people aren't there. or They're not chasing God. That's the, de- that's the um, danger for all of us as people and as a church is to just stop growing and stop wanting more. And then our hero here, the little frog, Ready for a little dad joke? I can't resist. This once was a polywog and then became a jolly frog. (laughs) And it reminds us, God talks about transformation and metamorphosis. And it was this little polywog swimming around, participated, swam and ate, and then grew into a frog to become what it was destined to be. And change is hard. And I don't have any specific change in mind, but God is always challenging us and growing us and changing us. And so our, our challenge, not just today, but always, is are we 
tempted to choose comfort and be the same and look back to our past and, and consider this. This is a beautiful piece, too. It's a monument, but there's no life in it. Or are we willing to be the polywog that wants to become a jolly frog? So I'm going to pass these around, and I would, here's what I'd like. For at least part of the sermon, you don't pay attention. You do that really well, right? <laughs> I just stop. Take these in your hands and look at them and just pause for a second. I want you to pass them around the whole room, and when it gets to you, I just want you to look, and I, and I want you to ask this question. Do you want more? Do you want more? I'm talking about that this morning is more. And do you want more? Do you want to be like this monument that's had this arrested growth that's not going to be more, it's just going to stay like this, or do you want to become all that God's destined you and our church? So you're praying for yourself, considering this question for yourself, and praying for our church. So, Michael, you get to stop paying attention first. And just, again, stop and pray for yourself and stop and pray for our church. Let's all stop as I want to lead us in a prayer before we launch into this morning's message. God, help us uh, to seek more of you and to seek your kingdom first. Thank you for pursuing us and for loving us first. And our prayer each week and throughout our week is that you would open our minds and our hearts and our will as we hear your word. In Christ's name, amen. So our tree this week, if you can see it on stage, I was actually a little bit nervous because as I started to get closer to this tree, I thought, oh no, it's just going to be a bunch of sticks. The leaves haven't popped out yet, but graciously, this tree has already popped out its leaves. And remember, we are botanical theologians cultivating Jesus followers, right? Botanical theologians cultivating Jesus followers as we're in 831. And our tree this week is the stately sycamore tree. The sycamore tree, the California sycamore or the western sycamore. And I was sweating it out all week because, like I said, I was if they're not leaves, it's just a bunch of sticks on stage. And I kept thinking, where's some sycamore trees? And I know like one of the best groves that I've ever seen is one right, it's, it's at the very end or start of Highway 9 down here. There's a huge sycamore grove, really historic grove I've found out. That's actually where I got this branch, stood up in the back of my truck bed, and there was one just reaching low enough, and I just kind of hung on it, swung, and snapped it off, and there you go. And I was so happy that it had leaves. If you look up there, or touch these, these leaves are super tender, actually fragile. Some of them have fallen off. And these leaves, um, they almost feel furry. They're so soft. The bark is really neat. But uh, um, the California sycamore, um, it, you know what I also found out? Is there's a bunch of them in our parking lot. Right before I drove up this morning, I'm like, wait, we have some in our parking lot. I was kind of sweating it out. Where am I going to get this branch? So I parked right under a bunch of sycamore trees. They're all starting to leaf out. Um, they do well in floodplains, so they got to have water. They love to have water, and they, um, they, they do well in our Mediterranean climate. They can handle drought, but they got to have water. They're a great, I was talking to another guy this week, and he said, you know, that's a great, he's a zoologist, he said, that's a great neighborhood tree. You'll see them planted in neighborhoods around towns, and it's a, you know, one of the reasons for that is because in the summer, when it's so hot out, they're great shade. They, t they have tons and tons of shade. And then in the winter, when you're kind of chilly, the leaves are all gone and the sun can get through. So it's a great tree like that. Um, it's a very easy tree to climb. 
The bark is nice and smooth. The limbs, although huge, grow horizontally a lot of times. It's an easy tree to climb. And uh, a little while ago, I had an experience with a tree climber in our church. If we could show a picture of that. That's Sam Holbrook with Rob Weiland trying to pull him down. We're on a bike ride. It wasn't a sycamore tree, but we have a little climber right here. And good, everybody give Sam a, a, a big hand. When I took that picture, I said, I'm going to be talking about sycamore trees and tree climbing. I'm going to put that up in front of the whole church. Well done. And then if, um, if uh, is Robin in here? He's our grad student. I don't see him in here. He actually loves climbing trees, big trees. It's what he does for a hobby. So I was going to give him a little shout out this morning. And one of the things from climbing trees, completely side, side subject, is climbing trees is fun. Also a little dangerous. <laughs> but you get perspective. I could even say wisdom, is when you get up and above it all, you look down. You ever do that like when you're flying in a plane and you see the city and you say, why are we running around with our heads cut off so much? You know, it just, we're so busy. And just stepping back, stepping up, gives you perspective. The leaves on a sycamore tree, have you ever had to rake these things up? <laughs> Quite a job. That's the bad part of them being a neighborhood tree is you get so many huge leaves. They're up to 10 inches in diameter, so like giant, like a dinner plate. Huge, beautiful leaves. The trunk, there's one in Stanford that has a 10-foot diameter trunk. So they get a huge, huge trunk. Um, and they, uh, they can grow up to about 100 feet tall. The sycamore in Jericho, it's actually called a sycamore fig, so it's not quite the same uh, sycamore tree ha we have. But in Jericho, which is where our story this morning is in Luke 19, very hot region. And Jericho is actually really close to the Dead Sea. And so... It, it rains less than eight inches a year, so hardly any rain. But I, I didn't realize this, but there's springs. There's tons of springs in Jericho, and one of their springs, they measured it, it lets out 1,000 gallons a minute. Can you imagine that? We, we have a well on our property, and they were so excited because it was letting out up to 20 gallons a minute. I'm like, that, and it's a lot of water. Can you imagine 1,000 gallons? It's like a river flowing out of a hillside. So way below sea level, it's um, one of the lowest and oldest cities on earth. It's, it's um, 846 feet below sea level. So that's where Jericho is, lowest city on earth. And it's a very prosperous, historically, it's a prosperous city because it's on a trade route. And it also has really fertile soil if it just has water. And they got a lot of water there in Jericho. So our story takes place um, actually on the road between Jericho, which think of Jericho as like way down, it's way below sea level. And it's on the road that goes all the way up to Jerusalem. And that road is about, takes, they say it takes about seven hours, 3,500 feet of climbing. It's a lot of climbing. And um, so it goes from this really deep desert place up to Jerusalem. That's where our story takes place. It's actually the same road where the Good Samaritan story takes place. Same road. So, so think, down in Jericho, up to Jerusalem is where this is. And basically, the sycamore tree is a healthy tree. People also love this tree. It's a well-liked tree. It's, it's on this popular road next to this successful town. And it's actually probably when the story took place, it was just starting to leaf. So if you go out, I mean, look at this little, you know, spindly specimen at the, you know, pulled off the end of a tree, or go out in our parking lot and you'll see all those sycamore trees are just starting to leaf out. That's when Zacchaeus climbed up this tree. So our tree this week, the stately sycamore tree. Um, so if you want to, turn in uh, your Bibles to page 1116 in the Pew Bibles, Luke chapter 19, first 10 verses we'll look at. 
It's a great, great story. Most of us probably know it. There's a lot in there for us today. Um, and it's helpful to know the background of this story. You know, if you look at this a little bit wider than just reading the story, we'll get a lot more out of this. So Jesus was traveling, and this is right before Jesus is crucified. So he's traveling down the Jordan River by this, you know, from the Sea of Galilee. He's going all the way, kind of think, down, down, down to Jericho, which is right by the Dead Sea, the lowest place on earth. He's coming into Jericho, and then he's going to head up to Jerusalem where he's going to be crucified. So he's purposefully, and he's telling his disciples, hey, I'm going on my way to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified. He's telling them this stuff, but he's going down, down, down here first, and then he makes a turn at Jericho, and he goes up the hill towards Jerusalem. Right before he gets to Jer- uh, Jericho, he had this interaction, remember the message on the rich young ruler, where Jesus interacted with him, it's just in chapter 18, where this rich young ruler runs up to Jesus, bows down before him, and says, what do I got to do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, do this, this, and this. Kind of like live your life righteously and well. And the guy says, I'm doing that. And then Jesus says, oh my gosh. He smiles, he hugs him, and he's like, you are so close. All you got to do is give away your riches and follow me. And the guy's face just, oh, he drops. His countenance drops, and he's so bummed. He's, he's literally drop-faced because that one little thing, his hope was in his riches. His hope wasn't in God, even though he had done all those things. And this story just ends where this guy walks away bummed out. So that happens right before, and the story of Zacchaeus is actually a contrast to that story, as you'll see. So that happens. And then just before our story, Jesus heals a blind man right outside of Jericho, and everyone is so excited, kind of like Palm Sunday, which is right after this, the crowd has like made this huge parade. Okay, so that's where our story is about to happen. There's tons of people walking along this busy road with Jesus. <coughs> They're so excited to welcome him into his town. They're so excited that this blind man was healed. And Jesus is walking into town. And here's where we are in verse 1 of chapter 19. He entered Jericho and was passing through. So he's on his way from Jericho. He's going to start heading up to uh, Jerusalem be killed. So he's passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking, key word, seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So we ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. So let me tell you some information about there. Zacchaeus was um, a tax collector. He wasn't just a tax collector. In fact, it's the only place in the Bible where it talks about a chief tax collector. So he's in this pretty wealthy town, and he's collecting taxes as the chief. So he's taking a piece of the action, not only from the people, but from the people taking money from the people. He's a wealthy guy, tax collector. In fact, they call him a tax farmer. He's also unclean because he's kind of a bridge between the Romans who are governing, who are unclean, and the Jewish people. So the Jews don't want to have anything to do with him because he's dealing with Gentiles. And they also want to have anything to do with him because he's dealing with their enemy. He's, in a sense, taking their money, and most tax collectors that day took more. That was how they made a living, and he took excessively more, uh, most likely. And so he was wealthy, yet he was unclean, so he wasn't allowed to be in the, the temple and the synagogue. And then he was unliked. That's our guy Zacchaeus. And then it just describes him as uh, not only a social outcast, but short. So in this parade, get the picture here, this parade, all these people crowding, and he's, he can't see. And he wants to see Jesus. And, and you think the people are going to let him see? 
You think, oh, we should make room for Zacchaeus to see Jesus. No, they're like, forget that. I don't care, what, you know, I don't care about Zacchaeus. I don't even want to be near him. That's what's going on. But he's seeking to see Jesus. And he runs ahead and he climbs a tree. Which in our day and age, we're like, oh, that's smart, I guess. Running wasn't what adults did. Certainly not wealthy, prestigious people in, in this culture. They didn't run. They certainly didn't climb trees. In fact, this, the commentaries, the scholars say that he was behaving like a child. He was being childlike, willing to kind of disgrace and dishonor himself to run and then climb a tree, right? So he does these two things. And just before, this is in the middle of chapter 18, Jesus says this thing. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. He's behaving like a child. Guess what's going to happen to Zacchaeus? It's coming. Okay, another dad joke. I know Michael loves these. Zacchaeus was seeking more by climbing a sycamore. Sycamore seeking more. Get it in your mind. Okay, now one of the things the Oasis, we're going to commission the uh, Oasis students today, and one of the things they do is they sing songs with the, the little kids in Mexico. And it's pretty fun. And usually your first time you do it, you're kind of awkward, embarrassed. And then after you do it once or twice, you're like, ah, I'm going to just let loose. So to warm them up, and, and you can't preach on Zacchaeus without doing what? We're going to sing the song, aren't we? Okay, if we could put it up there. Now there's hand motions. You don't have to stand up, but you've got to do the hand motions. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee, everybody knows this. Oh, I don't have to teach these motions, do I? <laughs> a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for Jesus he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, right, he looked up in the tree and he said, this is the best part as a little kid, right? You finally get to scold somebody. Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to... Okay, we're going to... Are we ready? We got to do this. I'll just turn around. Put the first lines up. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior walked that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. That was pretty good. All right. Good job. Getting them warmed up. That's such a good song. Why is that such a good song? I don't even know why. I love singing that as a kid. Okay, let's get serious again. Back to the scriptures. Come on. Second half of the story. Gets really good. Verse 5. I'm going to do these verse by verse. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Let's not miss that. He saw him and he spoke to him. What was a nobody, what was a, a loser, an outcast, Jesus recognized him, talked to him, and even said, I'm coming to your house. Let's not skip that fact that Jesus is looking and watching and notices the worst. And then Jesus is audacious enough to invite himself to Zacchaeus' home. Hey, I'm coming to your house. And it makes sense with salvation too because 
the owner of the house becomes the guest. We invite Christ into our heart, and he owns the home. He's in charge. We do what he wants. We follow his lead. That's what's going on here. He invites himself. It seems presumptuous, but it's the best thing that could ever happen, that Jesus would come to his house. Verse 6, I think, is the climax of the story. Talks about what Zacchaeus says. He hurried and came down and received him joyfully. So he climbed down this tree and received Jesus joyfully. What a difference between him and the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, when, when Jesus was hugging him, say, you're so close, all you got to do is get rid of your riches and follow me. You're, you've got it. You put your hope in God, you're all set. And this guy, Zacchaeus, did it. And his face was not downcast, his face was up. He was joyful, he was so happy. He was finally relieved of his miserable ways and his miserable life because he was accepted and received by Jesus. What a difference, a lifted countenance. Unfortunately, verse 7 also tells us some tough truths, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. The crowds missed it. You know why? They didn't necessarily miss. Yes, they probably missed what's, what's going on with Zacchaeus, but you know what else they missed? They're sinners too. I can't believe he's with him. He's a sinner. And you, <laughs> right? We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. I won't get into it too much, but this is present tense. He's not saying, I'm going to give. I give. He's in the act of giving. He's doing this. It's present tense. And there's, if you ever want to talk to me, I've got a lot more about this, this story that has to do with verb tenses, that's amazing, really gives a lot of light, but I won't go into it now. But present tense, that's fruit of repentance, fruit of, of receiving Jesus. It's that true fruit. He didn't do that to earn Jesus' love, but because he received joyfully Jesus' love, he couldn't help himself, but to do the right thing is to give back so much of what he's taken, especially he said he went overboard. The law had much less than that if you defrauded somebody. He gave four times. If I have defrauded anybody, I'll pay him four times, and half of his money. You give to the poor. It's awesome. And, he, and he's stoked to do it. That's true repentance. And it happened today in the moment. And then Jesus pronounces salvation. Verse 9, look at this. And Jesus said to him, today, and again, present tense, salvation has come to this house since he's also a son of Abraham. You see, Zacchaeus, if you were here last week, was a creosote bush, right? He was isolated. He was toxic. He was starving and he was stunted. He didn't have any water. He didn't have the living water of Jesus. So he was just this miserable, barely getting along through life. And because of Jesus, he's now a redwood tree. He's thriving. He's loved. And he's even blessing other people. What a picture. He went from a creosote bush to a redwood tree because of his interaction, because Jesus was looking for him, and he received Jesus. And then verse 10, we don't want to miss this either gives Jesus his mission. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. See, other passages in Scripture talk about Jesus being in heaven and coming down to earth, humbled himself. God himself became human, humbled himself. 
came down to us. And Jesus, in this story, is a picture. Jesus actually went to the lowest city on earth. You following this? Lowest city on earth to the lowest person in that city. Jesus is like, this is what I do. I go to the lowest places, to the lowest people, and I want to rescue them and offer them life, living water. And that's what a, what a sycamore tree is. In this case, it was at the lowest place, receiving tons, these thousand-gallon-a-minute um, springs and just huge trees. That's the picture of what's going on here, seeking more. Jesus offers more. When I was thinking about more, this concept of more, God just offers more. I, I thought of a commercial, a TV commercial, and I thought, it's pretty funny, but it actually gives a really good illustration of what more is. And, you know, the world, everybody, who, who doesn't want more? I want more. Let's see if we can see the uh, little commercial. No what? No what? I just switched to Geico and got more. More? Got a company I can trust. That's a heck of a lot more. Over 75 years of great savings and service. <laughs> you can't argue with more. Why would you? Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. <laughs> I'm not trying to get you to buy insurance, but more. It's funny. And, and actually, God works that way. Before you really pay attention, he's blessing you with more. He's about more. I love that commercial. Thanks for letting me show that. More is a good thing. You know one of the good things about sin? This is a terrible thing to say, but it's true. Sin leaves you with less. So sin teaches us that's not the way to go. Any route you go apart from God will always end up with less. Even religious efforts to try to be and do good, you'll end up with less. You don't end up with more. In fact, one of the benefits You'll read this about people that win the lottery or really wealthy people. They're, they're stuck with this nagging sense of there's got to be more because their you know, initial issues are taken care of and the emptiness is exposed more, right? They're not worried about their next meal or what they're going to do, but they're always, they can't leave the sense that they wish there was more. The world wants more. Let the sycamore tree remind us that people want more. To seek more. Jesus seeks us, and he offers more. In that passage, John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Have it to the full. Jesus, he, he's the answer. He's like, you want more? I'm more. Not only more now, it will keep, you know, this living water he gives us will keep flowing up. It's more and more and more. More is a good thing. Can't argue with more. And then we're also, this is a good thing to know, we're created for more. He doesn't just offer us more. We're created for more. In Ephesians 2.10, it says um, that we're created to walk in the good works that God's prepared ahead of time. So you realize that the creator of the universe has gone to the trouble of creating all these good works for you to walk in. He's not going to force us, but he's got this whole life adventure for us to participate in if we'll just say, yes, I want more. Seek more. Now, all the trees we've gone through have fruit. What's the fruit in today's lesson? We have to be looking for people seeking. 
Keep your eyes open. Jesus noticed, hey, this guy wants to see me. He wants to know more about me. We're looking for people that are curious, that are seeking. In fact, not only looking for them, we should go down to where they're at. And it doesn't just mean go down and find poor people, although that's one option, but there's lots of types of poverty. This guy was not financially poor, but he was socially and spiritually poor. We're looking for people that could be financially poor, emotionally poor, and we want to point them to Jesus. Say, Jesus gives more. He offers more. The challenge for us is, do we choose comfort or do we choose compassion? I mean, that's what the, one of those songs was about. It's like, God, I don't want to choose the easy way out. I want to choose your way. And all of this is dependent, just like we talked about last week, is we have to be seeking more from Jesus. We also should be tree climbers looking for Jesus. We should make efforts. We should be running looking for Jesus, not afraid to be childlike in chasing Jesus. Fun thing about today, and I moved this message to this Sunday for this reason, is that Oasis, our ministry to and with high school students, is seeking more seeking more. When they talked about wanting to go to Mexico, it wasn't just, we want to cross the border. It's, we want to see Jesus move. We want our students to see Jesus and experience Jesus. That's what's driving this trip. They're seeking more. They're leaving their comfort to go serve with compassion. They're going to people's houses. They're going to a different culture. They're going to feel uncomfortable. They're leaving comfort because they want more. And our Opportunity, even this morning, not only hearing about seeking more and challenging our church to seek more, is to pray for them and to, and to walk with them in spirit. We've certainly walked with them and giving to them and, and helping them in any way that we can, but we want to pray for them. And as Dave said when we prayed for those guys, a co-mission. We're going to co-mission with them. I'd like them all to come forward, and then Betsy's going to share a few words um, before I pray for them. So anybody connected with this trip, stand by the seek more tree, and we're going to pray for you guys. I just wanted to give an overview of what we're doing, because you guys have a better idea of how you can be praying for us. Um, So we're going to be doing a VBS for the kids. Our theme is gratitude. Um, So we're going to talk about um, what is gratitude, being grateful for small things, being grateful in good times and bad times, and then um, expressing your gratitude by blessing others. And so at the end of the week, we're hoping to partner with the church down there that we're doing the VBS with and then doing some sort of community service um, that we can all join together and do as a way of expressing our gratitude. Um, And so our main thing will be um, the VBS and then um, in the evenings, we'll be with APU doing, having, they have um, worship and spe- a speaker coming, and so we'll get to um, be fed as well as we're trying to um, feed the kids. So we're super excited. We've, we've planned out a VBS. We were really nervous about translating a VBS, but we were given a curriculum that has already been translated from English to Spanish. And so it is a huge relief for us to not have to do that, and so we're super excited to um, start this. <coughs> Okay, can I get some folks up here that would be willing to lay some hands on our students and our leaders? Probably going to be half the church, so be ready. And I also like the fact that the sycamore tree that's right behind them, 
The leaves are young and budding, and they're coming out. And our students are young and budding. And I'm going to pray for uh, the same kind of thing, that they would receive God's light and God's love in this. Bow your heads with me. Father, um, like our sycamore tree we're talking about, and Zacchaeus, Oasis seeks more. Bless them with your living water. Would you uh, take these young followers of you and would you protect them to give them full growth? Would you provide for them your light as they give out in the vacation Bible school time? Fill them again at night in their meetings um, as they worship and learn from you through their teachers. I especially ask that you direct each person and give them divine appointments, connections with people and situations and experiences that they can only credit you. You love to do that. And we pause as a church and we just ask your blessing on each student. You know where they're at and what they need. Pray for each leader, for their partner church down in Mexico. What a wonderful idea to walk with another church, probably meeting right now also. Would you bond these two churches together? And I pray for our church, that we would pray for them, support them, and then learn from them when they come back and rejoice with them. Bottom line, we ask for more. That's what these students and leaders are asking for. You love that request. So we pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, you would provide that. Amen. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.